What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are tuned into the newest edition of the Punch List MMA podcast. I am co-host Dale Lippin in here with the three-time in a row best my time maker award, San Diego, California, three years running. Trey Van Buskirk, what's up, man? Thank you for talking about my my time. I was supposed to go on a Hawaii vacation this week, but due to the coronavirus, I am making stiffer my ties at my house. Yeah. How, <laughs> stiff, how stiff are they? Oh, they are very stiff. And speaking of stiff, I'd like to talk about Manscaped. Okay, go ahead. Because Tell me all about it. Ever since I have been doing my Manscaped, I have been stiffer than ever. I look down and I'm like, my God, I'm clean. I'm hard, I'm the man, and no more do I have to worry about singeing my ball sack. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would, <laughs> I would agree. The lawnmower is a quality product. There is no doubt about that. And, you know, our podcast focuses a lot around the intricacies of fighting. You know, it's often said that football is a game of inches. I believe that fighting is a game of inches as well. And grooming yourself is also a game of inches. Everybody knows there is not a single thing that you can do that's better going to improve the visuals of your area, whenever, no matter what you're working with, than giving those bad boys a trim. I think that if you are a guy that is worried about distance and being able to close the distance, Manscaped is the company for you. Trey, I know that you know what our promo code is. Why don't you tell our listeners how they can help themselves and, in turn, help everybody else around them by beautifying that little area up? That code is PUNCH, and that'll get you 20% off and free shipping. That, again, is PUNCH. Go to manscaped.com, type in PUNCH, and you'll get 20% off and free shipping. Outstanding. Man, I thought I flustered you there for a second, but you came in strong. <laughs> Listen, you know what? I mean, I, I think the best part is not telling not telling you what I'm going to say and you not telling me what you're going to say. So that, that works out great. But, dude, while we're on the topic of meat real quick, let's just transition from your meat into the best meat. <laughs> That's Stay Classy Meat. Listen, go to stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code FIST and get 10% off your entire order. I know that you know that that Saturday nights are usually grill night. It's fight night. It's meat night. What have you prepared this week? Anything at all? Or are you saving everything for Saturday? What's on the docket for you here? I know this might sound rehearsed, but I literally have all my sausage prepared and ready to go. It's <laughs> insane. I've got some bison sausage ready to go. It's defrosting right now in the fridge. Can't wait to throw that. Maybe some barbecue sauce. Put. Some toothpicks in it do a little broad array Whew. stay classy outstanding stay classy meets for the win each and every time promo codes fist 10 percent off of everything your entire order go ahead and throw that with a subscription as well and save yourself even more money but dude let's get right into this card um you know quick little recap of what happened last week i guess we'll start right off the top with the davison figueredo joseph benavidez title fight uh, Figueredo obviously missing weight, and then as a result, gets the W against Benavidez. It is just not his time. Um, one of those guys that seems like no matter what, he's always going to come up that little bit short when it comes to the title fight. What are your thoughts about that fight? I feel like I have to do a little PSA here, and I have to uh, do a public apology. Um, 
for all those listening, Dale did text me the morning that Figueredo did not make weight and said, we need to alert the masses. Davison Figueredo is going to win this fight two and a half pounds above what he should have clocked in at. I didn't force Dale, but I definitely said, no, we need to stick with it. I really like what Benavides is doing. Did I think that Benavides was going to come in and start throwing haymakers and just doing wild acrobatics rather than staying in his game plan, sticking and moving? No, but that's what happened, and then it worked as his demise. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's one of those things now. I mean, this is a couple different times now that we've sat on that weight miss um, situation. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. We'll put a blanket statement. If we pick a side and then the opposing misses weight, either hedge the bet by picking the, the offender that's missing the weight or cancel the bet if you have the option to. Um, statistically, it's unparalleled. It's the, one of the best bets in the fight game is picking a fighter that misses weight. There's this common logic that a fighter missing weight is unhealthy. He's dehydrated or she's dehydrated. There's all these other things going on. By and large, statistically, the fighter that misses weight has an outstanding advantage at winning the fight. In the event that happens from here on out, guys, public service announcement, just hedge the bet or cancel it entirely. We had that happen to us. Um, you know, it sucks for Joey B. You know, he fought the fight. Um, I did not think he fought round one very intelligently. I wasn't very impressed with what we saw out of him. It was very akin to what we saw with him when he fought with the Juicy A Formiga fight where he came out and was just pretty wild. His stance was kind of weird. He was lunging a lot. Obviously, he was able to correct those mistakes as the Formiga fight moved on and, you know, get Formiga out of there. However, uh, you know, Davison Figueredo does not afford second chances, and Joey got caught, and that's really kind of it. Um, it was a weird night all around. The Iwan Kutalaba um Sakharov fight, or Ankalov fight, rather, um, was the worst stoppage I'm going to go with that I've ever seen um, in the UFC. Maybe not MMA history. It's probably the worst fight I've seen, or worst stoppage I've seen in the UFC as far as a a bad stoppage goes. Um, Early stoppages, we've had a lot of them. It's just, it was very bad. I mean, Kutalaba was in the midst of throwing a right hand whenever they stopped the fight. It doesn't get more wrong than that uh, it, it it doesn't but you know i will say this if you are trying to play a game of possum in mma please don't that's not a thing you can do you can do that in boxing you can do it a little bit but when you have elbows punches kicks i mean any type of submission game you cannot play possum and especially in a sport that is riddled with what we've seen as of recently bad decisions bad calls bad refereeing not a smart play. It wasn't, but I, I'll push back on it with this, right? If you watch the fight again, watch Kutalaba's shoulder movement and the roll, it's not unlike what we see Colby Covington do in extended striking exchanges. Colby's got a very, like, wavy shoulder kind of wiggle to him whenever he's, you know, in longer exchanges, it, particularly like the, the Usman fight. A lot of his success came from that sort of that wiggle setup. And if you look at Kutalaba, I mean, yes, the first kick sort of kind of made his legs buckle a little bit, but he's not not in control of his body. 
um, at all. And then, you know, I saw people say, well, he looked over towards the ref. He wasn't looking at Ankalov. Well, the ref started running into the middle of a fist fight. Of it, you know, he. I, I honestly think it's more so a testament to how much his wits were about him, that he saw it out of his peripheral as it was happening, as opposed to completely being focused in or out of it. He was able to do that quick check and see. It's one of the, like I said, I, you know, not to beat the, the same drum, but it's the worst stoppage I think I've seen in the UFC, man. It was really bad. He's appealing the loss, justifiably so. I hope he wins it. Uh, I'd like to see those guys just run it back. Uh, if you're if you're Uncle Love, you can't be happy with that win. You can't be. No, no, absolutely not. No, and hopefully they do run it back. But yeah, that was definitely in the top three, in my mind, of the worst stoppages I've ever seen. Yeah. All right, so let's jump into this card. Uh, you know, UFC 248, man, we've been waiting for this for a long time. I'm going to be honest with you. This is one I didn't really think the main event would stay intact for. Um, I really, this just had the feeling of something. Um, I know Adesanya has said that he wants to be an active. Always the guys that say they want to be an active champion that take the longest layoffs. You know what I mean? And I thought, oh gosh, here we go. Once they start talking about him having staff or whatever, I just sort of anticipated something. Uh, but yet here we are, man. We're only a couple days away. Hopefully I didn't jinx it by talking about it. But I do want to get into this card. We are going to touch the main card and then we'll go back and get some of that prelim value because there is a couple prelim fights that we want to talk about because this fight is or this card is so deep we can't ignore all these fights that are happening on the prelims so let's jump into the main card we'll knock that out and we'll circle back for the prelims max griffin taking on alex Oliveira. griffin's at 15 and 7 Oliveira's at 28 and 1 welterweight clash what do you think, man? Uh, Max Griffin sitting at a slight underdog here against Alex Oliveira. Yeah, I mean, Alex Oliveira, you're riding a three-fight uh, losing skid. Uh, but again, you know, Max Griffin, he's you know three and five in the UFC. So you've got guys that have a little bit of spotty records right now. Alex Oliveira, not usually known for a great gas tank. Max Griffin, not the best gas tank, but definitely better. The question is, are we going to see a cowboy that comes into this fight and does not just go wild? He stays within his techniques. He stays within his game plan, stays in line, and gets the job done. All around, I see Alex Oliveira being better in every facet of a fighter. But the question is, is he going to fight emotionally? I don't think he's an emotional fighter. But if blood is shed, the guy goes wild. And that's what he needs to stay away from. Yeah. Did, remind me, was this one of the ones we put a po- put a poll up for on Instagram? It was, yes. Okay. I will read what the public said on that too. Um, while you're while you're pulling that up, I do want to comment on this. Max Griffin has said that he wants to take the fight to Oliveira immediately. Uh, he feels that Oliveira is at his best whenever he's comfortable. He intends to make Oliveira uncomfortable from the jump. He wants to go directly at him. Um, to me, that signifies a wrestle-heavy approach from Max Griffin. I do not believe that Max Griffin is going to want to stand and bang. He's not going to be aggressive on the feet. He's a little too awkward for that. So when I hear, I want to make him uncomfortable, I want to get in his face, and Max Griffin, I'm hearing Max Griffin wants to wrestle. Now, Max Griffin has suffered via cardio issues just as much as Alex Oliveira has. This fight has the potential to get sloppy and in a hurry. 
anyway. Yeah, which, and which no, one? I think that's I think that's what Alex wants it to do. He wants to make it a little bit ugly. Uh, Max Griffin wants to make it a little bit more conservative, but Ma- Alex always kind of thrives on when the you know cuts open, makes that fight a little bit ugly with some elbows in the clinch. Fifty-four uh, percent of the public thought that Oliveira was going to win this fight. Forty-six to Griffin. So nice. Okay, so what are your thoughts? You know, uh, what do you want to end this this wrap up on with the, with this fight? I think uh, we'd originally talked about possibly a distance play on this one. Yeah, you know, so, we talked about gas tanks. We talked about this fight being ugly. So, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, th- like, I think that's the play here. Max Griffin's chin's been suspect. Alex Oliveira has found ways to finish fights whenever he is. Um, I think he's durable enough. Um, he's either going to go out on his shield or he's going to take somebody out with him. Uh, Max Griffin, if he's able to go out there and put the pace on Alex Oliveira the way he wants to, he should be able to get a finish. Um, if he can't and he's unsuccessful, then I think Alex Oliveira has all the tools necessary to get that finish. Either way, cardio is going to come into play, and I'd say after about seven minutes, it's going to be an absolute wild, bloody and or sweaty nightmare of a fight, at which point anybody can get knocked out or submitted. I don't think this one goes the distance. Agreed. All yep. right. Play number one, Max Griffin, Alex Oliver inside the distance. Fight number two on the night, Li Jingliang, the leech, taking on Neil Magny. Li Jingliang at 17-5, and five, Neil Magny at 21-7. and seven. Uh, This fight is... <laughs> This this fight is a bit of a betting wild card, man. Li Jingliang at a minus one seventy, Neil Magny at a plus one forty. Neil Magny has not fought since he got knocked out by Santiago Ponzinibbio back in November of two thousand and eighteen. It's been a long time coming for Neil Magny. Where there was the USADA drama, he had a kid, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Um, you know. And obviously, the leech Li Jingliang is on an absolute tear right now. What are your thoughts going into this fight? I think this is great matchmaking because it's a confliction in two different styles. You got Neil Magny, who's going to want to utilize his jab and create some distance and kind of point grab, move Lee around the octagon, while Lee's going to want to bring the fight to him. And I think what we saw in the last fight for Lee, the onslaught that he put, the power behind it, and his forward movement makes it a really, really, really scary matchup for Neil. Yeah, I really think it is. Um, the power is really going to be an issue. Uh, but the question is, is can he get close enough to do it? Uh, Lee Jingliang is a, listed as a very generous six-foot-tall Um to me, that's a very generous. Uh, he's six foot tall the way like Alir Latifi is six feet tall. It's <laughs> a very, very generous six feet. However, uh, you know, he does have finishing power. You're talking about a TKO win over Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos, TK win, TKO win over David Zawada. Um, let's, I'm trying to think. He knocked out Zach Otto as well. So he does have finishing power. And he knocked out Bobby Nash. I forgot about the Bobby Nash fight. Uh, the guy is a finisher for sure, uh, you know, but when we see him losing, we're seeing him lose unanimous decisions by guys that are able to outpoint him. That's what happened in the Frank Camacho fight, and that's what, uh, I'm sorry, he won the Frank Camacho, Camacho fight. I'm thinking of the Jake Matthews fight um, where Matthews just utilized a well-rounded skill set and just beat him up, man, beat him up. There was a 30-26 score on there, a couple of them, I think. Um, that's bad. Those are, I mean, we're talking 10-8 rounds there. Um, so Neil Magny has the skill set to do that, but I don't know with time away from the octagon, if he's going to be able to, to make that happen. I really am 
worried about Neil Magny getting up to speed quickly in this fight, which is what he's going to need to do. Yeah, and I think uh, his rhythm's going to get a little bit shot by Lee's got great leg kicks. Neil Magny's got some skinny legs there. You got to chop down the tree, you know, kind of get him away from his rhythm. I think that's going to create a lot of problems. It's going to essentially get Lee to close the distance and possibly close out this fight. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't like MMA math, um, but you and I spoke about this earlier too, is that if you were to ask me if I thought Zaleski Dos Santos could beat Neil Magny, I would say yes. And Li Jingliang knocked out Zaleski Dos Santos. So MMA math, I'm going to take Li Jingliang. I think it's a good number. You can see him at, you know, I'm seeing him someplace at minus 150, other places minus 170. I think that's a great play. That's still a lot of good value there. Um, I just think it's, I think that Neil Magny's been, this is a really tough fight to come back on is what I'm getting at. It's a very, very tough fight to come back. If you're, if you're Neil Magny, very, very tough fight to come back. And, uh, I, I don't think he'll get it done this time. He'll probably win his next fight, but this isn't the one for him. Right. So keep it moving. Benil Darius, Drakkar close, Drakkar close at 11, one and one. Benil Darius, 17, four and one. You and I. Oh, you're going to say this you publicly? And, you and I are left Twix, right Twix on this fight. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to tell you the line for this one. Benil yeah. um, Darius is a minus 170. Drakkar Close is at a plus 140. All right, man. State your case, killer. So, guys, I am all in on the Benil Darius pick and i'll tell you why this guy is the most underrated grappler on the planet i mean he does have five submissions uh you know in the lightweight division uh in the ufc uh but this is a guy that really kind of gets you off your rhythm he's a guy that uh can you know hold his own uh from a kickboxing standpoint but he's one that from a wrestling standpoint can really throw you off your groove he's one of those guys that can get something done and get it done in a quick fashion you give him any any form of a, a leg, a limb, a arm, whatever it is, he's going to take it, he's going to submit it, and that's it. Benil Darush, if you actually watched him versus uh, Barbosa, I always like to look, watch fights where they don't do so well. Benil actually, I mean, did very good against Edson Barbosa from a kickboxing and standing perspective. So you have to look at that. He literally took that guy tit for tat, leg kick after leg kick, and it wasn't until the flying knee, what was it, in the third round that he actually got clipped, and that was the game over. But from a tit-for-tat stand perspective, he did great. And that's not even his forte. His forte is wrestling and obviously his black belt in BJJ. All right. Drakkar Close is a wrestle-heavy monster. This is, this, this is, again, wrestling versus BJJ. I understand your take on this, um, you know, Drakkar Close has lost one fight in the UFC, and that was against David Tamer, which I don't understand how he lost that fight because I think that he's way more well-rounded and a better fighter than David Tamer. Uh, Tamer easily outpointed him the entire fight. I don't understand how he lost that, especially because he's got wins over Christos Yagos, Bobby Green, Lando Venata, Mark Jacasey, Devin Powell. He's beaten quality opponents. He's beating quality opponents, man, and he's out there and he's on a tear. He's living his best life. He's got Courtney Casey in his corner. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, if you're watching this YouTube, I'm raising my hand because I have a question for Dale. And that question is, tell me how he's won all those all five fights. Those would be by decision. 
Oh, by decision. Those would okay. be by decision. Those would be by decision. Those would be by decision. However, my man is on a mission right now, but I will give you I will concede this point. Um Benil Dariush has a much higher pedigree of opponent and he has a much higher finishing rate. He has finishing instinct that is unmatched when it comes to comparing these two together. Um, with that being said, I'm not opposed to a Benil Dariush play. However, I believe this fight is closer than what the odds makers have it at. Yeah, no, no, no. I think that this is a this is a pick 'em, and this is a really tough fight. Uh, one piece you're forgetting is Benil Dariush recently just got married. If you don't think he wants that performance performance bonus to win that diamond earring, some extra cash, put the down payment down, you are out of your mind. He's got a lot of weight on his shoulders and a lot of money to be made. Oh gosh, women make fighters soft though, so I'm not necessarily. That's not a big. That's not strengthening your case here. <laughs> I'm strengthening your case. Being married makes you soft, man. Um, this isn't Neil Magny having a kid. This is. I understand. I, listen, there's two things that make a fighter really soft. The worst thing that they can do, the worst thing that a fighter can do before a fight is get his hair cut. Okay. The, True. But as far as making them soft, having a kid is number one. It makes you incredibly soft. Uh, anybody that doesn't believe me on that, I'm the most diehard Cub Swanson fan there is, but I want you to tell me the last time Cub Swanson won a fight after he had a kid. Could not right? do it. They're very few and far between. Do Ho Choi. Um, the flip side of that is, like look at Paul Felder, right? Paul Felder, they interview him. One, you interview a guy after he lost, which I didn't agree with. I hate that they do that. But what's the first thing he says? I miss my kid. I want to go right. back to the kid. Kid makes you soft. I mean, it's, it is what it is, you know? Um, but second thing is getting married. Get married. You got to keep a girlfriend, fiance, if you will, right? That, that, that keeps the hunger. You get married, everything, it, you get soft, right? That's why Anthony Pettis can still jump between featherweight, lightweight, welterweight, whatever, because he put a, he engaged her. Like, he liked enough to put a ring on it, but he didn't, he didn't tie the knot. He didn't. He didn't lock it down for life. He said it's a promise ring, if you will. D disagree with that statement. He's still in the honeymoon phase, and when you're in the honeymoon phase, you are still manscaping the shit out of yourself. You're trying to be alpha male. You're trying to put on a show. He's going to close it out against Jakar Close without a doubt. But again, I don't know if you want to solidify that for our viewers and listeners. That is no. one that's you know we're split on. You no, know, take Listen. that at your own choice. No, I listen. I, I I will say this. I you make a compelling argument for Benil Darius. You know me. I'm a big I'm a big proponent of pedigree of opponent and uh, pedigree as far as experience goes. Benil Darius is a, the much more experienced fighter. He's the much more big show experienced fighter. I think that Jerkar Close has a lot of momentum going his way right now. Uh, however, Benil Darius, you know. It is the more experienced and the more game opponent as far as who he's fought. Uh, you know, he's coming off a win of Drew Dober, uh, Tiago Moises, Alexander Hernandez beat him. Um, but prior to that, uh, you know, he, he's faced the who's who in the lightweight division. Jim Miller, Darren Crookshank, Diego Ferreira, who has a win over Diego. Um, mm -hmm. You know, obviously knocked out James Vick, but who hasn't? A sneeze has, <laughs> um, win, you know, win over Michael Johnson. This guy's fought and beat some of the best guys in the UFC, best guys in the lightweight division. Um, he seems to have an ebb and flow, but 
I, I think I, I'm cool with a Benil Dariush play here. I think your 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 argument's compelling enough to be swayed. All right. <laughs> what a win! Can, I'm done. Close you're done. Show. It's over. It's over with. <laughs> All right, let's get into this co-main event. Uh, Zhang Weili taking on Yoana Yunjekic. Uh, Weili or Weili Zhang, I think, is the way we're supposed to do that. Um, is twenty and one. Yoana sixteen and three. Does Yoana become Yoana champion again, or is this a Weili Zhang kind of night? She definitely seems like she's more motivated um, after the Waterson fight. Um, I saw that hunger in her eyes. It looks like something that she really wants to get back on top. The question is, is it too little too late? You know, Wele Zhang, I mean, the girl looked unbelievable in her last fight. The only hesitancy I have about her right now is to have been her travel schedule. Quarantined, uh, left China, goes hanging out in Abu Dhabi for 11 days, waiting for her visa, gets her visa, does the remainder of her camp in Vegas, you know, has that travel and as well as what's going on in China affected her mentally. Uh, you know, besides that, she brings the fight to you. She's very active. We all know that Joanna is going to kind of point grab, kind of move around the octagon. That's her best bet. But Wele is going to bring the fight, just like we talked about with um, – uh, gosh, who did I just say that before? Uh, with with Lee Jang, uh, uh, Lee, whatever his last name is, I'm blanking on the na- name right now. But he's going to bring the fight. So is Wele. Same same difference. I don't know. Yeah. No. Listen, I think I think you're right. I mean, Joanna has uh, attested the fact that during her losses, that she was having a lot of personal issues going on. She had an engagement that got called off. You know, she's had a lot of things going on outside the cage. Um, you know, it's one of those things where f- the fight game is a lot more mental uh, than it can be physical sometimes. And if your head's not in it and you've got other stuff going on, you're not exactly going out there and, you know, fighting and putting your best foot forward when some when you got all this other stuff going on at the house. I know that if I'm having an argument with the old lady, it's hard for me to even go to work and accomplish what I need to do at work, let alone go and get in a fight with somebody um, and execute the way you need to at the highest of levels. Uh, you know, losses to Valentina Shevchenko and two losses to Rose Namajunas. That's nothing to scoff at. Those are her three losses. Outside of that, she's flawless. Um, if you look at the people that she's beaten, you know, obviously the recent win over Michelle Waterson. But, you know, I go back to the Jessica Andrade fight, who a lot of people compared Weili Zhang to, was a Jessica Andrade type, maybe a little bit lighter on the feet. She's big, she's strong. Uh, but I really think that this is one of those moments uh, where we're going to see a fighter, uh, you know, there's two narratives here. This is either going to be the, the fight where Whaley's, you know, solidifies herself as one of the greatest strawweight fighters uh, on the planet Earth because she's beaten the, the person that was the queen of the strawweight division for so long, or we see the phoenix rising from the ashes that is Joanna Champion, and she comes back and she claims what's rightfully hers, and then we set up after the Andrade-Rose uh, rematch the, the the trilogy fight, if you will, between Rose and Joanna. Uh, there's a lot of different sublet storylines that we can have here, but I think those are the two overarching narratives. Unfortunately for Joanna, I don't think we're going to see the Phoenix rising from the ashes. I think mm-hmm. that they're going to pick her up off the canvas because I think that uh, Whaley is going to sleep Joanna at some point during this fight. Yeah, Joanna's best bet is to point grab and not let you know Whaley 
engage. And I'm still worried, as I was telling you before, I'm worried about a multitude of fighters on this card with their weight cut. Joanna had an extremely tough cut, regardless of how easy she said it was thereafter at UFC Tampa against Matt Michelle Watterson. The question is, how is she going to cut weight? How is she going to feel in this fight? Yes, she's been championship caliber. She's been the dance 10 times, but Wele is a different fighter. She brings a lot of energy and a lot of forward momentum. That's a lot of energy being burnt. And with a weight cut as drastic as what she's having to endure as of recently, that could pose a huge threat. Yeah. Listen, I, this this is going to be, I mean, obviously, anytime you want to fight, it's a, it, it's a, it's a relative favorite pick or could be a relative favorite pick for fight of the night. I don't think this one will be far off of that. I don't necessarily think that Whaley sleeps her, uh, you know, in the first round, if you will, I would, I think that this fight is going to get nitty gritty. Um, I think that both women will probably have to go to their plan B or C to see what's going to happen. Uh, but I honestly think that this is Whaley's time to sort of keep this division on its toes. As far as women go, I know a lot of attention is paid to uh, Amanda Nunes. I really think that the women's strawweight division is the most exciting women's division in the UFC. I think I, I, from a talent standpoint, I think it's deep. Um, and the fights are exciting. They're a good weight where there's still finishes. And, you know, the, it's just it's full of killers man it's a it's a kiddie pool with a bunch of little pretty sharks swimming around it man it's uh i would not want to be a women's strawweight fighter right now but anyway whaley zang inside the distance and whaley outright i'm cool with both of those plays if you are love it yeah okay all right let's get in this main event of the evening man uh the last style bender israel adesanya taking on Yoel, the soldier of God, Romero. Still don't understand that nickname. Um, very strange. Romero, 13-4. Adesanya, obviously, at an 18 and a bagel. Um, that guy is sitting with the O there. Does the O go, or does Romero uh, fall to the last style bender? Wait, hold on. If you don't understand the soldier of God, can you explain to me this last style bender? What? So I think the last stylebender, some, it's some sort of nod to anime something or other. Okay. Well, huh. well, the Soldier of God has, I mean, he, it's the perfect name for him because if you've seen him in his previous wins, oh, for instance, the Luke Rockhold win when he I knocked him you. out into oblivion. Yes. Hops over the cage, does the full-on Soldier of God, God march, looks like the physical specimen he is. Uh-oh. I wanted to ask you something. When he hit Luke Rockhold, did you feel it? <laughs> Man, I definitely took off my polo shirt and burnt it. That was that was devastating. I just feel like when he hit when he hit Luke Rockhold, you got a black eye. Like that's the way that it happened. <laughs> You're throwing me off my game here. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Anyway, he did the march. Anyway, anyways, he, he does the march, and you just look at this physical specimen, and you look at this guy, and you're like, how this guy has not been the middleweight champ absolutely blows my mind. Right. And we talked about this earlier, but I feel like you all has the complete package to get it done. The only part that he lacks is his fight IQ. And I did compare comparisons between him and John Jones. I know that's a horrible, horrible comparison, but the reason I utilize that is because John Jones, while we know the blueprint for certain fighters out there is always there for him to take, and he has such a crazy arsenal of different weapons, he always likes to do the one that's 
that's not perpendicular to what the other person has. If the person's a great striker, he'll want to strike with them. If the person's a great grappler, he'll grapple with them. He won't do something that's conflicting. Yael's the same way. He has the ability right now to be a world-class wrestler against someone who does not have great wrestling. He does not. Israel Adesanya has good takedown defense, as we've seen. But no, does he have that world-class Yael Romero Olympic-style wrestling? No. You all need to get in there, utilize his wrestling, put Israel on his back, make this thing ugly, ground and pound, put him out of his element. But what is he going to do? He's probably going to strike. But to be honest, I don't know if that's such a bad thing. Do you? I think his striking fares pretty well. I think it does. And I think I think what helps cover a lot of those mistakes is every time he touches somebody, it hurts them. So that covers a multitude of sins when it comes to to his striking. My concern with Romero heading into this fight is we have not seen him be very combo proficient, right? Um, if you look at the Kelvin Gastelum fight, Kelvin is great at throwing combinations. Kelvin Gastelum will throw a three, four, five punch combination like it's nothing. With no intention of hitting you with punch one and three, he wants to hit you with two and four. Um, he's fantastic when it comes to throwing combinations. Adesanya, or I'm sorry, Romero has a very blitzing style. He doesn't really throw anything, and then all of a sudden he throws something wild you know what i mean that he's on you and he's trying to he's it's it's not traditional uh striking in that sense which if you take a guy like adesanya who you know world champion kickboxer who's also you know very proficient in just getting creative on the feet and is capable of creative one strike uh attacks as well as combinations you look at that, and I, I wonder how well can a guy that blitz, like his, his whole approach is going to be wait, 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 attack. How well can that fare against a guy like Stylebender? Can he actually connect? Um, my my gut feeling with this fight is that Adesanya has bought into his own hype a lot. Mm-hmm. Um I don't like guys that look past opponents. I know he's saying he wants to fight everybody that's good, but he's also he's had the beef with John Jones, right? That that's happened since he beat Whitaker. He's also saying that he'd love to go up to heavyweight at some point and fight Stipe. How foolish do you, are you going to look if Romero wins this fight on Saturday? Talking about those things, and there's nothing that John Jones loves more than people calling him out that won't be able to fight him, and then seeing them get beat a la Corey Anderson two weeks ago. Yeah, but to Israel's defense, if it, if this wasn't the fight, what, what is the fight? Paulo Costa out with a bicep injury. Your best bet is maybe Darren Till or Jared Cannonier. I mean, really, this was the fight to make. This is like, as much as he wanted to be active, this was the scariest person on the list. It is the it, it, it's the scariest person on the list. I don't think it's the right time for it, though. Um, I I don't think a guy losing two fights in a row is, is should get a title shot, just like Jose Aldo. I don't think that that's right. Um, Darren Till is healthy, um, you know, and he he, he has. Who did, did he just? Who did he just beat? Um, that guy can't get a visa to save his life. That's not even a question. Right. Um, <laughs> and then, but like, I think Jared Cannonier is a great uh, is a great option. Um, you know, it's one of those things, man, where there was, there's options available. I understand, again, I can appreciate him wanting to be an active champion. That's something that I did not anticipate somebody actually following through on their word with that. But on the flip side of that is if with you being active like that, you're now fighting a guy that necessarily has not earned that title shot. 
Um, and you're, again, you're going to look very silly if you lose to a guy that, you know, lost his two previous fights. I think waiting for Paulo Costa is not, it wasn't a bad play. Costa's already working out again. He's clearly ready to go. He'll be ready for international fight week, which I think is going to be what comes after this. Um, and then, you know, you could have waited is what I'm getting at. You could have waited, or you could have taken a Darren Till, Jared Cannonier, Jack Hermanson, um, you know, fight in that, in that regard. Middleweight is a little shallow, but it's not that shallow. Um, Darren Till pieced up Kevin Gaslam. That's, That's right. Who it was. That's um, right. He beat, he beat Kelvin. And I, I know you referenced this actually at the beginning of our show, and I know you're not taking too much interest into it, but obviously a lot of people <clears throat> this past week have seen the quote-unquote injury that has been on Israel Adesanya's arm. Mm-hmm. If you do not think that is staff, that's staff. That is one thousand percent staff. staff. Yes, and you staff, know what's, you know what's scary about that is I don't know if he was just trying to on other shows posture uh, by saying that he does not take antibiotics that he's literally just looking at his arm and saying no as a as a mentality type thing to oh, surpass no. this. No, 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 but no. if he is not, I'm worried about I'm worried about this fight just in general from y'all Romero making weight. But Israel Adesanya, one week until your fight and you're dealing with staff, staff can culminate into the most ridiculous stuff, whether that's fever and chills. I've had staff numerous times. It's horrible. Cellulitis. You want to talk about serious stuff. I mean, we've had a bunch of UFC fighters that have dealt with cellulitis. We had uh, JDR. He had to pull out of UFC Moscow. We had um, Alexander Vol- Volkanovsky. That guy, had a, um, after he beat Jose Alda at UFC 237 or whatever it was, he had to go directly to a hospital because cellulitis. That little pus-filled thing on his arm is no joke, and I'm worried over the next couple of days how that's going to be. I'm excited to see Wayne's to see how that's happened, like from a healthy perspective, how that looks from his body. Yeah, but it's it's definitely something to look at. Yeah, for for a recent, um, you know, for those that remember a more recent uh, example of how staff can affect the way you perform in a fight, look at the Mark Hunt. Alexi Olenek fight. Um, I was I I was all hot to trot on Mark Hunt in that fight. I didn't think Olenek would get it done. And then Mark Hunt's walking out. I don't know if I was texting you. I was talking to somebody when it was happening. Mark Hunt's walking out, and he's like favoring his left arm while he's walking <laughs> out. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm on my phone. I'm, going, I'm ridiculous trying to like trying to hedge all my bets. I'm like, this is so stupid. There's something wrong with his arm. And then he gets out, and you can see he's got this giant bump. And you're like, oh no. He's got staff. He goes out. He gets knocked out. Mark Hunt, the, the, the chin of a rhino, gets knocked down with a jab um, after not throwing his left hand at all, which is his moneymaker, and then, you know, obviously gets submitted. But it, here nor there, um, I want to take Romero in this fight. I think that Adesanya is not focused. I think that he's dealing with tons of other stuff. I think the fame's gotten to his head. I think the occasion's too big for him. I think it's too much too soon against a guy that's a killer. Um, he fought a Robert Whitaker that had been off for a long time that we now know was probably dealing with some other personal stuff outside of the fight with his own injuries, with a sick kid, with stuff with his marriage. I don't think he fought the best version of Bobby Knuckles. Uh, and as such, he knocked him out. 
which is good on him. I mean, it was definitely a, a masterful performance, but I think Romero is a different beast, and if you're not focused against a guy like Romero and you think that he can't knock you out, he will send you to the shadow realm, and I think that's what happens on Saturday night. I think Yoel Romero wins this fight by hook or by crook. I don't necessarily feel super comfortable in an inside-the-distance play, but I do like Yoel Romero in this fight. I 1000% agree with that. I think uh, my biggest hesitancy, obviously, is the weight cut. Yeah. You know, missing weight at 221, 225. Then his losses, though, have always been slight, slight decisions. So yep. this is a fight where he's motivated. He says he wants to fight till he's 51. He's 42. The time is now. Let's get it done. Yoel Romero over Israel Desanya, main event. It's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. All right. So, real quick. Let's touch on some of these prelims. We're going to rifle through them quick, so I want to get through them. Um, This first fight I want to talk about, uh, it just makes me think about Manscaped, and that's Sean O'Malley versus Jose Quinonez. Jose's got that finely manicured mustache that looks really great. Sean O'Malley, obviously, the top of his hair, uh, the top of his head looks like your pubes look before you use <laughs> the, the Manscaped trimmer, which is the lawnmower. Uh, if you want to use that fine detail blade on the lawnmower, you can just take that guard off, flip it over, and you can have your pubes look like Jose Quinonez's mustache. Uh, but you definitely want it to look like something that's not Sean O'Malley's head. Uh, that thing is ridiculous. You do not want your carpet matching those drapes. Use promo code PUNCH and get 20% off and free shipping. Sean O'Malley's coming back, man. The USADA drama is now over. Sean O'Malley at 10-0, taking on Jose Quinonez. A game Jose Quinonez at 8-3. and three. Listen, Mac, or, um, uh, Sean O'Malley is a massive favorite here at minus 370 over Jose at plus 280. You know how I feel about this fight, but I want to hear what you have to say. Sean O'Malley is unique in the fact that guy, any guy that can switch stances with his leg kicks is always super dangerous. That guy can piece you up, whether he's staying orthodox, unorthodox. That's what scares me. He's a massive person for this division, 5'11", with a 72-inch reach. I mean, he's, you're talking, I mean, you're talking four inches difference. I mean, this is, this is, if, if, if Jose cannot get in and close that distance, which I don't think Sean O'Malley is going to, allow him to Sean O'Malley's got this all day long the question is is ring rest a factor how much weed has this dude been smoking <laughs> I don't know but at the end of the day this should be cut and dry for Sean but I know that you do have a few hesitancies well I just think that Quinones is getting disrespected by this line um, I think he's a much more game opponent than they're given the giving him credit for I understand that you know he's got a submission lost in, uh, to Nathaniel Wood, but Nathaniel Wood's the prospect for a reason. That guy's a, a stud, but he's got a win of Teruto Ishihara, and he's got a win over Carlos Huachin, who are both game fighters. Wins over Diego uh, Rivas and Joey Gomez. Listen, I know those aren't like lighting the world on fire when I say those names. However, um, you know he lost to Nathaniel Wood, but. Nathaniel Wood's still on the UFC roster. Um, You know, Sean O'Malley hasn't beat anybody that's still on the UFC roster. Um, You know, Jose Quinonez has wins over quality opponents. He's the much more active fighter, obviously, fought two times last year. He fought September of 2019. Unanimous decision win. 
he is a beast. I mean, he beat Carlos Huach in 30 to 27. I think this fight is a lot closer than people are giving it credit for. I don't necessarily think that a win over uh, Andre Sukumtoth is worth the minus 370 hype that we're seeing on Sean O'Malley. No I think that people, um, I'll say this, sleep on Jose Quinonez at your own peril. I'm not, I'm going to leave it at that. Sleep on him at your own peril. It's a very vague statement. I'm just I'm saying okay I, with that. <laughs> I just, I just don't. I think he's a game opponent, man. I think he's a game opponent. I really do. Um, all right, a couple more of these I want to touch on real quick. I know you're super fired up. Your boy Rodolfo fighting. Uh, Rodolfo Vieira taking on Saperbeck Safarov. Safarov's at nine and two. Biggest underdog on the card against Rodolfo Vieira. Rodolfo. Uh, Sitting at a at a huge favorite at minus eight fifty. Yeah, Saf- see, there's Safarov plus five twenty five. Yeah, see, there's no value in it. Um, I don't know, Dale, if you're down to put it, uh, you know, with a parlay. I don't know. It, it, it's it's a massive favorite, and there's a massive reason why. The guy's four time BJJ world champ. He's legit. This guy's strong as a bull. He's got great takedowns. I mean, this is literally how he, he got BJJ world champ four times. Like, this guy, I mean, once he's able to grab a single or a double, you're down. You're not getting back up. Anyone that has great takedown defense, that's never been said against someone that's dealing with Hadolfo Vieira. This guy will get it done. He'll get it done quickly. The question is, Saffron, this guy's a little bit more unorthodox with his wrestling. That could pose a little bit of a unique look for Hadolfo. But at the end of the day, there's no way he's getting out. I think it's an inside-the-distance play. I like that, but I think that the value and association had to be parlayed with something. I'm yeah. not really sure. Yeah, I think we should parlay it with something for sure. Um, what do you, you know, just just spitballing off the top of your head, what do you think is a good, a good play on that? I mean, if you were to do that with Sean O'Malley and uh, Ling Jiling, I mean, maybe those are okay. three, three solid picks. Yeah, yeah, okay. We can we can try to throw that together. All right, so a small unit play. Small unit play. We'll throw Rodolfo, Sean O'Malley, and Li Jing Liang. We'll throw them all together. Um, you're looking at two point, let's see here. You're looking at 2.4 return on your money. So by small meaning, you mean like put the house on it, right? I'm not suggesting that at all. Your summer house. Summer house, yeah. Summer house, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Maybe the jet ski at the summer house, not oh, the summer house itself. Nice. So, all right. Anybody else you want to touch on while we're here, man? Uh, last one I probably want to touch on is the Mark Madsen-Austin Hubbard fight. Mm, yeah. Um, I think it's a super unique fight. You got a guy that's a silver medalist. Um, great, great Olympic wrestler, obviously, but Austin Hu- Hubbard's got great striking. So you got a little bit of confliction and styles here. I don't know what your thoughts are on that fight, but obviously I think Mark Madsen's coming in at a, at a favorite in association, correct? Yeah, he is a favorite, but I, here's the reason why, right? And I think that this, I think this result is slightly skewed. Okay, um, from a height wise, these guys are the, you know, uh, they're the same height. Uh, Hubbard's coming off a win over Kyle Propolek, uh, a loss prior to that to Davi Ramos. But here's the thing, right? If you look at Mark Madsen. His fight was a tailor-made last-minute replacement uh, in a hometown crowd when he took on uh, Danilo uh, Beluardo. That was a that was a gifted opponent, right? Uh, 
that was the Hermanson versus Cannoneer card. They just threw that on there. He was a massive favorite, and he goes out there and he he he, he gets the win. But here's the problem with this, right? He's what? He's a silver medalist in what? Wrestling. Right. He goes out and he gets his last win by knockout. Exactly. There's nothing worse than a wrestler that gets a knockout because you know what he wants to do? He wants to knock out the next guy. So mm. I'm afraid that Mark Madsen is going to come out and not do what got him to the big show. He's going to try to knock Austin Hubbard out. And if he does that, Team Elevation, Austin Hubbard, is walking away with an upset W over a silver medalist on Saturday night at plus 170. If that's the way it goes down, statistically, historically, wrestlers that get knockouts, they get obsessed with the power. They want to come out. And I'll tell you what, if there's any team out there that's putting guys out that are more fight-ready right now, it is yes. Team Elevation. So Sing praises, uh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Austin Hubbard plus 170 is a live, live, live dog on Saturday night. Agreed, agreed. Hey, my, let me do a, I'm going to do a devil's advocate parlay real quick. Just, just, this is just me. We didn't talk about this beforehand. This is me with a devil's advocate parlay. I'm going to I'm going to play it. That's just something I'm going to do. Are you ready for this? Okay. All right. I'm going to play Guido Canetti. Ooh. Right. <laughs> the 40-year-old. Okay? I'm, Good I'm, start. I'm, I'm already going to play Guido. Good start. Yeah. Okay. The geriatrics so parlay. I love it. I'm going to play Guido. I'm going to play Austin Hubbard. Mhm. And I'm going to play Jose Quinonez. Wow. So you're you're fading the Sean O'Malley pick. I thought you'd throw in Darren Wynn on that well, here, parlay. Well, here's the thing. So I'm not fading the Sean O'Malley pick. But what I am doing is I'm, I'm throwing something out. I, this is just, like I said, it's a devil's advocate style pick here because I think that Sean O'Malley should win this fight against Jose Quinonez. Just like Mark Madsen as an Olympic wrestler should beat Austin Hubbard uh, because he should just go out there and wrestle him. And he should be able to beat Austin Hubbard who's coming back from compartment syndrome in his leg. He should be able to win that fight. An Olympic wrestler should be able to walk into 90% of the gyms of the planet Earth and beat 90% of the guys that are in there. You are a wrestler of the highest level. You should be able to at least ride him for 15 minutes get that W. I know you disagree with that statement, but that's just the way it is, man. That's just the way it is. No, I. the only thing I disagree with is picking Jose Quinones over okay. Sean O'Malley. And the only reason is because okay. this is typical Dale fashion. You're playing both sides of the fence. You don't even, you're not even playing both sides. You got houses on both sides of the fence. You can't do that. You can't right. do that. Fine. I'll take my listen. I'll take the mini Daniel Cormier. I'll I'll eliminate oh. Quinones from it. I'll take Duran Win. All right, Kennedy Hubbard and Duran Win. That's legit. Okay. I love that. I'm all that's, about that. That's nine to one return on your money. Woo! That's a devil's wow. advocate. Now, I'm just gonna say this. If you throw Jose on there, it's twenty to one on your money. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you throw Jose, it's twenty to one on your money. That's all I'm saying. No, and then you just have to check what type of human being you are in life. That's that's you're also throwing that in. You're throwing in exactly what type of person you are going forward in life. If you want to be that type of like, ugh, I can't even, ugh, dude, that's gross. It's gross. Right, it fine. Is. That's fine. All right, we won't 
I'm just I just threw it out there. That's it. All right, let's wrap this thing up, dude. Uh, any parting thoughts before we roll out? No, this is going to be an amazing card if you guys are watching it. This is a card where there are so many close lines that Dale and I, as much as we've done the research and we believe in the picks that we put forth, we will be sweating the entire time because this every single one of these fights, someone has something that could put the other person down. So definitely tune in. Make sure to check us out on YouTube uh, so you can see. You know, Dale doing some live manscaping that's coming up in future episodes. <laughs> right. Um, right. You guys can also see just our faces, but uh, podcasts available everywhere. Check us out, obviously, on all of our social channels Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, all the live polls we did, we usually do share a majority of them on the live podcast. So your vote actually makes an impact. Check us out. Run through those real quick because we didn't cover them. We just covered the one. Roll through those real quick. I'm going to recap our plays while you're getting those pulled up. All right. So to recap the plays, we are taking Alex Oliveira, Max Griffin inside the distance. Um, We are taking – let me pull the the whole bout order up real quick while you're getting those. All right. Max Griffin, Alex Oliveira inside the distance. Li Jing Liang over Neil Magny. Benil Dariush over Jakar Close. Wei Zong inside the distance and outright over Yoani Unjakechech. Uh, Yoel Romero upsetting Israel Adesanya. We also like a Sean O'Malley, Hadolfo Rivera inside the distance parlay. And then the devil's advocate parlay, if you be so brave, would be Austin Hubbard, Duran Wynn, and Guido Canetti all together. But the, the parlays are strictly... If you wanna, those are not. We are recommending play the house on them. Our plays, plays are restricted to the main card. Correct. Correct. Okay. Awesome. Correct. And uh, the public did not side with us on about fifty percent of these, but what the public did say, eighty-two percent believe that Sean O'Malley is going to win that fight, which we believe in as well. Fifty-four percent say Charles Oliveira. I know we did a distance play on that one, uh, but fifty-four percent thought Charles Oliveira would win that fight. Fifty-four percent also thought that Neil Magny would win there. We have uh, Lee Jinling winning that fight, uh, and uh, Benil Darouche, sixty-one percent also believe that it's going to happen, which we you know agree with as well. And then the co-main uh, Wei Lei Zhang, sixty-four percent of the public thought she would win. And then finally, 74% towards Israel Adesanya. We obviously side with Yoel Romero. All right. Sounds good. Well, listen, we'll see how the public goes. We'll see how we do. I'll tune it. I'm always all over our socials um, on fight weekend. Uh, Usually throughout the week, you get Trey. On the weekend, you normally get me. Um, That's just the way it seems to work out for with the way we split things up. Follow us on all social media, Punchlist MMA. Follow us and subscribe on YouTube. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share platform, whether it's podcast uh, and audio form or podcast and video form. Every time you like, subscribe, and share, that's our equivalent of getting paid. Um, we don't actually get paid, but that's your way of saying, I appreciate, I value your content. Keep making more. Like, subscribe, share. Appreciate you guys. Talk to everybody this weekend. Um, And I think this is our best episode yet. Hell yeah. Cheers. All right. Cheers, buddy.